Welcome to Loinlander, the most unofficial Outlander podcast on the internet or anywhere. I'm your host, Megan. And this week, one week only, I am your host, Joe. Every week, you're the host, Joe. Whatever. Every week, forever. It as feels l- like forever. As long as they make Outlander episodes, you <laughs> will be the host. Which might not be that much longer, Ooh, which we'll touch on. We'll talk about that. In this episode, as it puts out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we're here today to talk about episode 511, entitled Journey Cake. The second last episode of the season. It's the second last episode for a long, a long, time. long time. Once this season is over, guys, we're going to experience Droughtlander like never before. I saw um, just a... Twitter question and answer with Sam Hewen from yesterday and someone said when are you guys going to start to film season six and he said they were actually scheduled to start filming this week which so already would have been like a long long drought lander mm, yeah. but obviously due to little thing called COVID-19 they're now pushing it to the fall which is the official everyone's pushing everything to the fall right Right. now right but like in september what's going to happen like are they really going to have 45 people on the set beginning to film outlander season six i don't think so it'll be like two years a year and a half it's going to be a long time well because something that i've learned just because i follow the show obsessively they shoot and then there's a ton of post-production work they finish shooting and the the season doesn't come out for another year sometimes yeah, well, those CG birds don't make themselves. Right. And I'm very excited to talk about this episode because I absolutely loved it. Did you? I did. I am going to go ahead and say, and I never well. use season one as an example because that was just an exceptional season onto itself. I think we all know that the caliber of season one has never been replicated. Season five has had episodes that are close, though. Um, and there have been, you know, some really strong episodes in and out, I would say, of season two and three. But this episode, Journey Cake, was the best episode, as far as I'm concerned, since Freedom and Whiskey in season three. And Freedom and Whiskey was a wonderful episode. It was the Christmas episode where Roger comes and he and Brianna kind of start their romance and then... Claire, go, she, at the end of Freedom and Whiskey, she goes back to the print shop. She goes back in time and arrives at the print shop. It's a very, very good episode. I mean, it makes sense, too, because that ties into the title card. Oh, yeah, that's such a good point. Thank you. We'll get to that in a second. All right. So this is a cold open. This episode starts with a cold open and a timestamp. I love both. You Autumn. Know. 1772. Well, and they have this weird, like, yeah, if I passage had, of time montage. If I were to have a complaint, it might be the first two shots, which were just like, incongruent with each other. Like, it didn't make yeah. any sense. It wasn't even like, because sometimes you'll show, like, a tree, and you'll show it through all the seasons as it evolves from fall to winter right. to spring to summer. But this was just, like, some pieces of grass and then a tree, and the, like, what? I would be willing to guess that in the edit suite, they had cut like a really nice passage of time montage, and then they were tight for time. And they're like, what are we going to do? Cut the montage off the top. Should we leave a couple shots in? Okay. Why bother, though? It was really confusing. It was really, it was weird and confusing. They should have just come in with the shot of the the horse and buggy, yeah. or not. Talking or about looking car, for peanuts. Whatever, yes. yeah, and yes. the, the timestamp. And the timestamp, I agree. Yeah. Mm, 
That's too bad that our podcast is starting with a complaint because I have no other complaints throughout right, the well, rest of the episode. I might. So, we'll so who knows what's going to happen. <laughs> so they're searching for peanuts. It's a, it's a cute moment because Claire says, I haven't figured out how to make ice cream, but I'll be damned if Jemmy's going to grow up without peanut butter and jam sandwiches. Jamie, no idea what she's talking about. She can make penicillin, just to be clear. <laughs> she can make penicillin. Can't make ice cream. Well, I, I don't think she's put her heart and soul into the ice cream the way she has with the penicillin. That's, I guess, fair. They find a burnt house with a burnt family. Mm-hmm. This is right out of book six. And when I first started reading book six, I think I actually wrote on one of the Outlander fandom sites and just said... This book is so disturbing. Why am I even reading it? I just read the most disgusting description of a burn victim. Like, why? Why? Yeah. And I, I mean, I guess they had to include it. But what did you think of this scene? I mean, it was, uh, I mean, it, it was interesting. It seemed, you know, at the mo- within the context of the episode, it's, it seems out of place because it's so specific and uh, so, yeah, like, the the girl who i'm pretty sure it's yeah it's a girl she is very graphically burned like to the extent that and i mean uh we didn't actually see it on stars but i i i don't know if they had uh like a graphic warning you know like you know sometimes in in front of these shows they have to put like maybe disturbing because it was pretty graphic i thought um i mean that stuff doesn't really bug me but like it was and not like you saw glimpses, like you got long shot, like the makeup for the record was fantastic. Like, Well, I couldn't look. I knew it was coming and I could hear the breathing. And I, the first time I watched it, I actually turned it right down and I just looked away because I can't, I get, yeah. I, I get so upset by these sorts of scenes. When I watched it, Megan got up and walked into the kitchen. I went and I just went into the kitchen and I wrote down that you said, ew, that's gross. And then you paused. Good makeup though. It was really good makeup. Yeah, fantastic makeup. So I know because I could hear and I've read this scene, Roger suffocates her, which I'm sorry, that would be an awful way to go. Like, shoot her in the head. She would, uh, I mean, I kind of thought that too. I, I don't really, but I mean that she, if you had seen her, you would know that she would have been in such an intense level of shock that she was basically dead already right like but why give her less air than she already has oh my goodness and then jamie says a poem is he reading a poem to her when because i could hear it but i by heart so he was going to do it and roger's like no i'll do it which i'm not really sure why roger Mm -hmm. offered to but whatever um so maybe because he's the son Son of a priest priest. i don't i don't really understand but uh yeah Yeah. anyway it was a again i kind of was the the mind I guess it's just too violent. She's not a horse. You know what I mean? Or, uh, you know, like... Mm-hmm. Yeah. If ever I'm in that situation, shoot me in the head, please. Noted. I don't want okay. to be suffocated. I'm putting it into my iPhone notes right now. So, <laughs> and that's how it... That's how... That's the cold open. And then yeah. we go into... Sing me a song. Sing me a song. Blah, blah, blah. And you pointed out that we've now seen all the shots from the opening credits... Yeah, so which I went, was so I, sad because you pointed it out. You said this is the second last episode, right? Let's see if there's anything we haven't seen yet. Yeah, I was curious. So we've seen them all. We've all... seen them all. So, t- too bad. Yeah, it is too bad because we're we're coming to an end here, and then we see who this episode was written by. We right. already knew, we knew, but written by Diana Gabaldon herself. Yeah. Um, 
and the title card. It's a great title card and it's a throwback to the peanut butter and jam sandwich that Claire traveled with in Freedom and Whiskey. Yeah. And um, it's it's so interesting because I, I, I will say, like I know there's tons of book fans and they complain and voice their complaints to Meryl Davis and Matthew B. Roberts and I'm always like, whatever, it's a show, it's good, just use the, you know, enjoy the television adaptation for what it is. But this did bother me. When they excluded the peanut butter and jam sandwich in Saran Wrap, like the book Voyager, it's such a descriptive moment. She's traveled through time. She's She opens up the last piece of home. She takes a bite and then a piece of Saran Wrap like floats down the road in 17 whatever it's... Right. It's it's such a beautifully written scene, and I couldn't believe that they excluded it. Didn't, I mean, they, they excluded have, her entire journey. Remember? They didn't have the peanut butter and jam sandwiches? No, you're thinking of then they tried to make up for it with Brianna. She packed herself uh, a peanut butter and jam sandwich, would, and she went back in time. Yeah, you just talked about it so much, now I can't... I, I know it's all that it was there or not. It's there. all blurring together. Yeah. But you were annoyed during that episode that they didn't show time travel at all. Remember, yeah. she steps off of a cab. Yeah. Into a puddle, and then she's back in time. Right. Arriving at the print shop. That did annoy me, yeah. Yeah. Um, So it is interesting, because I remember seeing an interview with Meryl Davis, and she's like, and I'm so sad we couldn't include the peanut butter and jam sandwich. Obviously, Diana Gabaldon felt the same way. And when they said, you can write an episode in season five, she's like, great, you know what I'm going to include? PB&J. PB&J. What did you think of the title card? I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. It made sense. Uh, and you recognize her suit, right? Like right away. Well, and as soon as you, as soon as I saw it, I was like, I was right. I was right. I called it. By the way, I'm just going to say, go ahead and. What do you mean? I was right. I was right. As soon as I saw it, I knew there was going to be time travel in this episode. Like I said last week, they're going to travel in time. What did I say? I said, you know what they're going to do next week? They're going to travel in time. And I yeah. said, there's no way they can travel right. in time because she's supposed to have. And I'm like, they don't care. And guess what? They don't. Like I said, they're going to bring Gabaldon in because they're going to take say, a left turn. Yeah, we it's messed like, up you the timeline. Yeah. And like TikTok, it happened. So as soon as I saw that, I was like, called it. Yeah. It's, so. it's nice to be so right, isn't it? It's a tough life, but uh, yeah, it's my cross to bear. Anyway. <laughs> so the first scene we have Young Yin and he's playing with little Jemmy and they're playing with Otter Tooth's stone. Yeah. And Jemmy says, it's hot, it's hot. Of course, we learn that it's it's hot for all time travelers. Right. And it makes a buzzing noise. Claire comes up and says, can you guys hear that? And Jamie says, I can't hear a thing. But I think he knows because he's been at the Stones with her before and yeah. he knows she he hears was, buzzing. He knew something was going on. I think Jamie gets uncomfortable with this kind of thing. And then, yeah. and then uh, Jemmy says, I can hear it. Well, he would have been uncomfortable for two reasons. One, it's like Sassanac magic. But two, because he knows that it means Jimmy can travel. Yeah. And that means they're going to book it. Yes. That would have made Jay Frey sad, Frey. Well, and when Brianna says he must be able to travel and Jamie immediately says, so will you? Yeah. Like no. he calls them out on it and nobody answers. Right. But he knows, he knows it's coming. It's, uh, it, it's interesting. One of our, uh. One of our listeners that uh, that posts on the I don't know if you you saw this today it was a busy day for both of us but mm-hmm. uh, she posted an article and I, I did get a chance to skim it where it was uh, an interview with Diana Gabaldon about writing this episode mm-hmm. and uh, I didn't read the whole thing I just I just skimmed through it but one of the things I caught was the, the interesting thing that she liked watching 
watching back at the dailies, which is, you know, when they take the the for the people listening, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. when they take the the shots of the day and they they sort of run them back and they they look at them what worked, what didn't work, you know, and uh, you know they have to redo it, all that kind of stuff. So anyway, she she said when she was looking back at the dailies, it was really interesting because who's the actor that plays Young Ian? I can't remember his name. Anyway. Oh, I can't remember the actor either. that plays Young Ian. Yeah. So it was it was adorable, I guess, because he was trying to get jemmy to engage with the stone mm-hmm. so what he was actually doing was uh singing and miming baby shark oh of course that would be a to, huge yeah, hit yeah, yeah. Then, <laughs> so I, I think that was i thought that was pretty pretty cute and yeah. obviously it worked because that that scene played between them oh yeah was really happening well yeah. that that little guy that's actually twins that little boy they is twins are, of yeah. course um he seems to have good chemistry with all of them yeah. Like with Claire, there's scenes where if you watch in the background, they're kissing each other. And Brianna, he's obviously really comfortable with her. Um, but I loved that scene. I thought it was really good. And I love that, you know, Ian has no idea what's going on, but it's cold. And Jamie, this cold as stone. Right. Ian doesn't know what's going on, but he knows something's going on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, the Browns arrive. Those Brown brothers, hey, they are... So creepy. Diana Gabaldon, I think I think I did read the article and she said something like she's thrilled with the casting of the Browns brothers. Yeah. She thinks that they bring everything that she ever pictured because they're both just They're repulsive, evil people. Awful. Right? Like they're super awful, especially the one Ooh, the, the wife beater. Yeah, the wife beating back shooter guy. Yeah. Like he's penicillin crushing right, or syringe yeah. crushing. He, yeah. He's just an awful, awful guy. But yeah, they nailed the casting. Like that guy plays big time asshole like nobody's business he really does. i can't imagine him smiling and being being nice. being nice in 2020 no he's probably the nicest guy in the world maybe maybe he is well anyways the browns want jamie to join them in the fight right the american revolution is that what it is because they said they're starting like a like a i I, I meant to ask you that during the because i haven't read it mm-hmm. but what it sounded like to me was they were saying they were going to start like a neighborhood watch. But I thought what it was, what it might've been like was almost um, like you hear the mob where they where with the mafia, you get like protection money, which means that basically the mob protects you and you pay them. But essentially you're protecting yourself from them coming in, Oh, I don't know, burning your house down or something like that. So I kind of almost got, I didn't know, was it, because I didn't know if it was the the beginnings of the American Revolution or if it was almost some sort of like low rent crime organization. Oh. You know, under the guise of of a, you know, patrol. Oh, I don't know. I just, I mean, I just heard rumblings of like, you know, this is the beginning of forming a militia for the American Revolution. Yeah, I I don't, so I I don't, I don't know. I'm not really sure. Did you by chance notice that there was a long, curly, dark haired man? No. Okay. Why? He only had one or two lines, but he was there in that first scene and then he was there in the end when they were abducting Claire. Okay. And I think he's going to, I think he's going to be a big character. I think he's a guy. Or at least an important character. So we'll see. I just wanted to know if you had noticed him because the way he has one line and I think the thing that stuck out is he's got an American accent. Yeah. Is he, does he look like he's like a little bit um, indigenous? Maybe, yeah. Yeah, is that was it that guy? Yeah, he's not like the blonde guy that was like kind of dressed like, like with a red coat. 
Yeah, he he yeah. wasn't he wasn't that guy. I'm not sure. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyways, um, I feel like he's he's important, but I might be wrong. It was just that when he had one line, and his accent caught me because I had thought he sounds like someone from the future. He sounds like an American from right. 1970-something. Dun-dun-dun. Dun-dun-dun. We'll see. We will see. Claire tends to Brown's leg. I didn't really know why we needed this scene, except that it clarifies for him that she is, in fact, a healer. And then he'll bring his wife back later. I don't know why we needed that, except to well, make the parallel between Jamie wanting to kill Bonnet and him wanting uh, to... Go ahead. What oh, were you going to say? I think we needed it because, and I it didn't lead to this, but what I thought it was, and it might still come around, maybe not. Uh, but what what I, well, when I think about, it, I don't know how they would at this point, but they might. What I thought it was is they're like, oh, we saw about a week ago a burned out house, and then he's like, oh, I got this janky foot. When when did you hurt it? About a week ago. So what I think happened is the Browns burnt the house, like they're trying to. Basically, and this is where I got this like mafia protection money mentality where it's kind of yeah. like they're they're almost creating problems to rally people mm-hmm. like they knew that Jamie would find like they left it. They did that in a place where they knew. Yeah, because don't they ask him like, have you found anything suspicious, yeah, suspicious around here? And they're like, like, oh, I'm like, oh, really? There's Jamie a burnt said, out house right yeah. on the path you drive every fucking day? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, so, <laughs> yeah. So it's one of, it, I felt like it was one of those things where they were trying to to use it as a as almost like a, using their powers of evil as like a recruitment tool. Yeah. You know, maybe. and I, I feel like that's how it's going to come around that we'll find out that that guy hurt his leg in, you know, while lighting that damn house on fire maybe yeah so then claire and jamie have a heart-to-heart about brianna and roger leaving and it's sad right they both know it's coming yeah and ian walks in and says are we gonna talk about the hot stone situation (laughs) yeah and i like that they both realize that they have to tell him and so they do and uh he asks if myrta knew which i thought was a really nice Yep. moment and i like that diana gabaldon wrote that moment because of course that never would have happened in the book but she's weaving in the the show characters with yeah. her book characters and uh you said that you thought it was bizarre that they wouldn't have told fergus at this point yeah well after that there's you see a well it was the it was the part where he was walking fergus and marsley were walking with roger and brianna oh, yeah. and they're saying bye-bye yeah and it it was it is kind of odd because like she said like you know you're like a sister to me and that kind of thing and I just I you know maybe I'm overthinking this but Marsley what they've shown with Marsley is she's super perceptive and very smart mm-hmm. and I think she would have been I think she would have picked up on some shit yeah she'd be suspicious I, I think, and Fergus knows Claire exactly he knows. He was with them in right. Paris, and then suddenly she disappeared for 20 years yeah. and then arrived. He was the first person she saw when yeah. she came back. Like, yeah. Yeah, I, f- I find it a little janky. And that... obviously both very loyal to right, like they wouldn't, and Jamie. You know, like, why wouldn't they? They're not like, Fergus is going to turn them into the whatever, to who whoever, who would he turn them into anyway? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like they would be part of the inner circle, even almost more than Ian. Yeah. Or at least as much. Yeah. So. Well, they do tell Ian. And I thought that there was a funny moment where, you know, he hands them Ottertooth's journal, which 
is saying like, I don't know where I am. I can't speak the language and they don't track time, but I know I'm somewhere. And Jamie reads it because it's in Latin. And then Claire says, it's written in a ballpoint pen. And that's the moment when Ian says, what's a ballpoint ballpoint pen? Who or what are you? (laughs) Like. I just thought it was yeah. so funny that it was the term ballpoint pen. That was the tipping point, yeah, for sure. Where he was like, yeah. I can't take another, like, another second. Yeah. What are you? Um, and then he quickly deduces that it's her, Roger, and Brianna. He yeah. says it's all of you. Right, yeah. I like when he's like, I always knew you were a fairy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not, not a fairy, dumbass. Yeah, I'm not a fairy. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it was, a, it was a good scene. It was a good scene, and I like that it ended with Jamie just closing the doors, sort of insinuating that the conversation was going to continue as it would if you had just dropped this on someone. Right. Where was Rolo, by the way? I didn't see Rolo at all this episode. Oh, he was out. very much there. Was he? I yes. Missed I missed him. You know who else I haven't seen in a lot of episodes? Who? John Quincy Myers. I know. And they were he was tight with Ian. Like, I want to see, like, a John Quincy-Ian reunion. I feel I like he that. would be really good for Ian right now. I feel like they would be super bros. I mean, they have the same outfits at this point. I know. So, anyway. Sorry. Yeah, that's an interesting... That's interesting that he hasn't he hasn't shown up. I think the story... There's just been so much to tell. Yeah. Not, that why pay an actor to be, like, walking around Oh, well, hello, young Ian. Yeah. 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 No, t- totally, but... Anyway, I just yeah, but Rolo was there. He was he was there in the conversation um, when Ian is asking Claire and Brianna. Was he? Yeah, oh, I missed him. I guess I'm just so used to him now. He's he's part of me. Anyway, <laughs> Claire and Jamie then go to a house of sticks in the woods. You said it's the same love hut that Myrta and Jocasta met in. I think yeah, it is. It's Murty's love hut. Yeah, and uh, oh, Ulysses. Ulysses is hiding out because he has murdered a white man. Yeah. And he said, I've, I've, uh, I've got nothing but my own thoughts to keep me company. And Jamie brings him a book and says, I've been in places with nothing but my own thoughts for company. So this will distract you a bit. And it's a reminder that Jamie lived in a cave for seven years, guys. Right. Jamie's seven big beard years. phase. Yeah. So, but this is an interesting scene. Um, it's interesting for a few reasons. One, you pointed out that Ulysses is actually shorter than Claire and Jamie. <laughs> yeah, which I feel like was a bit of a technical faux pas. Maybe. Because the, every other time you've seen Ulysses, and I mean, obviously, uh, I can't remember the lady that, named, that plays Jocasta. I ask you every time. Uh, Maria Doyle Kennedy. Maria Doyle Kennedy. There you go. Um, she must she's be. probably not that, that yeah. tall, but yeah. still they... You know, like when when Ulysses killed uh, the lawyer, you know, in the scene, he didn't even, he barely came up to his chest. Like, I don't even think his head came up to his collarbone. Like, they played, and I mean, again, that guy's short, but like, they're playing Ulysses like he's seven feet tall. Yeah. You know, and then, but he comes out of that hut, and he's shorter than Claire, and way shorter than Jamie. Yeah. And I don't know, again, I don't know how they wrote him in the book, but you just get the, uh, up till now, they've given you the impression in the shots this guy's like a mountain. Yeah. And uh, uh, a little callback to Game of Thrones. And uh, but but yeah, when he comes out, he looks almost small. I know. You know, so uh, yeah, it was just interesting. Could have been uneven ground too. He could have been. I looked when we actually rolled it back. It, he was okay. Jamie was on a little bit of a higher ground, but uh, yeah, still like he shouldn't have been. Even if it was a little bit uneven, like he should have been that much shorter. Yeah. Anyway, whatever. So interesting for that reason, but then also we learned that he is free. 
Because I, I yeah. really like this. The three of them are trying to figure out what, what he can do next. And Jamie says, well, Jamie suggests Philadelphia, right? Which you would if you lived in 1772 and you were trying to help someone who was black, you would try and think of places where, because I guess at that time, Philadelphia didn't have any slaves. Yeah, I don't I don't know. I mean, you know, it would have been in the north. And, yeah. I don't know, this is way before the American Revolution. But we know. learn that Ulysses is actually a free man, but he chose to stay with Jocasta this I, whole time. I mean, none of that surprised me. I kind of, oh, I would have guessed that Ulysses was free already. He didn't, he never... He never seemed subservient. No, he never carried himself like a slave. Yeah. Uh, which is awesome, obviously. Uh, but, you know, and I love that he chose to stay because I've said this to you and I, I don't know if I mentioned it on the podcast, but like the Jocasta Ulysses mm-hmm. is, I think, actually my favorite love story of yeah. this show. It could be like, a side story. It could be like, it, it has been obvious since the very moment you met these two characters mm-hmm. that Ulysses is obviously madly in love with Jocasta. Mm-hmm. And, uh... Maybe, I don't know if it's reciprocated or meant to be in the book. I, I don't know. I think it is. Uh, I think there's some, like, you know, action going on there, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. but uh, Yes, I do know. You know what action? <laughs> what I mean by action going on there? Uh, so... <laughs> Um, oh my goodness! But uh, but yeah, I just it's it didn't surprise you. It didn't surprise me, and I, I love the story. It's still a nice moment, and the fact that he has to leave Jocasta makes me wicked sad. I know. So um, then we have Roger and Brianna. It's evening. They are in there. They are in the original Fraser's cabin. And you said you love that they've stuck to the two fireplaces, <laughs> although they still need to warm the bed yeah, before they get in out. it. It's like the... Two fireplaces and you're warming the bed? Like, oh, I get, oh. I have temperature issues. I get hot. Yeah. I get too hot all the time. And that's just my nightmare. Two fireplaces and then someone's putting like a warm pot where I'm going to lie down before I go to sleep at night. Ugh, come on. But they sit down and they make a plan, right? They're right. disappearing and at first you seemed confused by this, but it was yeah. it, that it, I think it was necessary because they don't want to just, as she says, go poof. They need to explain everything, say goodbye to people so that it's not left to her parents to constantly be lying and explaining right. where they have disappeared to. And they decide to keep to the truth. Yeah. So they say the story is that they're going to go to Boston and mm-hmm. she's going to try and become a professor. Well, no. And she said, we'll tell people that you're going to be a university professor. Oh, was that what it was? Which is true. Because when they go back to Boston, he will be. He was before. He'll be again. Probably. Yeah. Or wait, he wasn't a university professor in Boston, though. He was a university professor... In the UK somewhere. In Scotland, yeah. Yeah. Lord John Gray arrives. LJG. Beautiful vampire, as you said. Side note, Joe said if they ever remake Interview with a Vampire... Lord John Gray would be a perfect Lestat. He even has the bow. Oh, Did you he, notice yeah, that? He like is the just, black velvet hair he, tie? If, if he is not a member of the undead, like, yeah. forget it. Like, come on. So he's he comes unexpectedly to visit um, Jamie, who is always, it's such, a, it's such a father move, hey? Who's always anxious as soon as yeah. he sees him. Because yeah. he said, I wasn't expecting you. How's William? Yeah. He's just so nervous. Um, but he's coming because he's leaving the States. And you can't blame him. He says... Uh, he has a feeling that, you know, things, things are going south. Things are going south, mm-hmm. and Jamie agrees. Also, Lord Dunsany has died, so he's has to go and sort that situation out. And uh, 
you said at this point during the scene, you said you found it strange that Jamie, who's all about family, would never try to even see William from afar for his yeah. whole life. That yeah. he would just stay away his whole life. I find it weird that he wouldn't try and have even some sort of casual, quote, accidental interaction with him or something. Well, I, I think his original intention was to stay with him his whole life and just be the stable guy as the stable guy but the problem is they look so alike that people started questioning it and it could ruin that kid's life right right because the story is that he's someone else's son i thought the picture looked nothing like um sam hewan sam hewan (laughs) not even close he looked more like lord john gray he looked more like david barry to me than sam hewan but um whatever i i I get where the story's going. So. Well, that was a sweet moment when Lord John gives him the picture of William. Yeah. And Jamie gets welled up and says, such a handsome lad. It's sweet. It's really sweet. Yeah. And yeah, well, I, I don't want to spoil anything, but they need to be real careful with the casting of William because you're right. The picture doesn't look like right. Sam Hewen and it should. So we'll see what happens there. Okay. Um, then we have a scene with, then that scene that I was referring to where Rolo is present with Ian and Claire and Brianna. And we learn that Ian is actually very interested in traveling back in time himself. Yeah. We still don't know exactly what went down with his right. wife and child. But there's but we, a desperation. There is a desperation. And he's still suffering from what happened. And Claire, ever the, ever the doctor, and, you know, like stiff upper lip, she says, well, I'm sorry. Like, it's not, yeah, it's not it. even... Because he says, what if we hold hands? Well, the other thing, and I think it was in this scene, or I can't... They didn't... They never actually touched on it, and I wonder if it has something to do with it, but how does Ian have Ottertooth's opal in the first place? Oh, Claire had it. Oh, did Claire yeah. have it? Yeah. Or did she give it no. back to them? I mean, I I've only watched did. each episode. Well, remember... She wanted it back. When they went to do the trade, everything blew up. And she said, if yeah. you want it back, you can have it back. Right. So if she did give it back, then because he was part of the Mohawk, they gave it to him. I'm not sure. Or maybe she kept it. journal. I'm not sure. Yeah, and was... I, you, I can't watch season four again. It broke my heart. So I'm well, sure. Also, this is maybe like a bunch of stuff that's in the book that maybe. skipped over. Anyway. Maybe. Meanwhile, back in Claire and Jamie's bedroom. Mm. It's so cute. Jamie's sitting there reading and he has the picture of William right beside, like right on his bedstand. And he's reading and Claire puts on perfume. Well, it's it's actually funny because they're talking about how sad they are that Brianna and Roger and Jemmy are leaving. And she says to him, I've asked Brianna to draw pictures of them so that we can remember them. If I, as a mother... I mean, I'm not a grandmother, but I have, you know, kids and the idea of having them leave me forever and taking my grandbaby with them, I would not start putting on like sexy perfume. Like, I don't know. These two, any circumstance, though, any circumstance. circumstance. Apparently not Jamie, though, because it just exhausts him. He falls right to sleep. Right to sleep. She's all like, she's putting that perfume everywhere. Like, there is not a nook or cranny that doesn't get (laughs) some of that sauce. Which... I actually really like because you've yeah. got to figure in those days, like you're not having baths all the time. No, and if you want to get it on, yeah. like why not? Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. So she gets into bed. She doesn't wake him up. She falls asleep. She wakes up sweating. 
Guys, I think she's in menopause. Like, I think this is a hot flash. Well, and it would make sense because Roger and Brianna had two fireplaces and had to warm up the bed. So it's not like it was like scalding hot outside, obviously. That's a really good point. It wasn't like it was... Oh, and it's autumn too, right? It's not summer, but she is so... The heat was inside. Her own fiery cross was burning. Right. She's going through menopause. Right. So she wakes up. She goes to the window. He wakes up and then they start... And this is all Diana Gabaldon. I feel like this is right out of her book. He starts describing Uh... the way her wrist smells. Garlic, onions, and then... They have this like sexy like insult flirt kind of thing <laughs> and she like, says you smell like shit you smell like onions let's do it <laughs> it's like but then what? he notices her special perfume yeah and he got he was like self-conscious he's like oh you put like, on I your, feel, oh my god you put I your sassy juice on and i fell asleep what happened <laughs> yeah and then they have sex right by the window yeah like on a second but it's floor not window even like, like hanging yeah. out with the window yeah oh my i was God. i was worried i was worried but um she didn't fall out she didn't fall the power out. of jamie's mouth held her up <laughs> um so good good work there king of king i don't of, know king of men king of men there you go yeah good so, job jay so the next morning he goes to her microscope yeah, and he this looks is through. Super fucking weird too. See, I thought this scene was hilarious, and I'll tell you, Diana Gabaldon was quite thrilled that she got to write this scene. She said, "I'm so glad that that was in that oh. I got to put it in the episode." Yeah. Which I guess, if you're an author, there are certain scenes that you really like, but I can tell you also that I think it fell flat for a lot of TV viewers. Really? Like a lot of people are like, "What the what? What was that scene about?" She like pulled it out of her cell, just put it like what like. So yeah, but. Whatever. It's it's her so show. So what happened in the in the scene though? So he So he goes, goes and he's looking and he thought that they were the germs that right. she always is talking about and he seems quite pleased with them. He said, Look at them, look how handsomely Handsome. thrashing their tails around and they're quite fast, aren't they? And uh she tells him he tells she tells him what they are and I, I really like this scene. I thought they were both funny in it. And yeah, it's like, Oh, it's 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 my stuff. Yeah, and, and she like, said, "Well, I woke up in custody of them this morning." Yeah. So nothing grosses Claire out, guys. I mean, come like I'm sorry. Her first thought was to I don't want to get too graphic here, but y'all know what's going to happen. What happened? Like she decided to go downstairs and like No, it was in the morning. Reacquire. No, but like she went down to her office and like she had to go fishing and like then she's like you know what i'm gonna do i'm gonna look at this shit under a microscope that's fucking weird no it's not she's a it scientist is. she's that's like she's Sons a researcher of the Lambs kind of shit that's like fucking that's or no what's the other one okay what's the one no, with no. uh with the ice pick oh kathy bates no no uh it's like an 80s movie with the Oh, you know um, what I'm talking about? Yeah, with Michael Douglas. Yeah, and, and, and uh, Glenn Close. Glenn Close. Yeah, with anyway. the rabbit. There's yeah, like a... that's the you know like that's like some shit. Fatal out of attraction. That. Fatal attraction. That's fatal attraction <laughs> shit. That's fucking fatal attraction shit right there. Disagree. I thought this was a very light, funny scene, and yeah. like Diana Gabaldon, I was quite happy that it was in there. Jamie then runs into Brianna. He shows her the picture of William. Now, you thought he was playing this in terms of, like, well, maybe you should stay because you have a brother. I did think but that. But we learn that, in fact, even if she does stay, they she'll never know William. It's just more that, you know, it's Jamie's way of 
reaching out and being even closer to Brianna and saying that, you know, there's, there's, your blood is, it's more than just your mother and me. And then in probably like one of the best moments, he says, he'll be the ninth Earl of Ellesmere. And he said, you should look for him in books. And he goes, he'd be an Earl after all. He might be easier to find. <laughs> yeah. That's and funny. you can tell he's proud. Yeah. Yeah. Even though proud. he has nothing to do with it. He's still he has something to do with it. Yeah. I mean, I guess. Yeah. yeah. But well, not his earldom. Right. And then he says, oh, he says, even though I may never see any of you again, you've made my life whole. Oh. And I don't know how anyone watches that scene without crying. I mean, I didn't. <laughs> Why didn't you? Because. Uh, but uh, yeah, it was nice. Then we have uh, Brianna and Roger saying goodbye to Marsily and Fergus. And Fergus is just stunned silence. He doesn't even say anything the whole time. He I just mean, stares at her in shock. Like, why would you leave Milady and my lord? Yeah. And Marsily says, you've become like a sister to me. And... And she's pregnant with their fourth baby at this point. And you have to figure, like, for Marsily, like, she's never, she's never going back to Scotland. Like, this is her home. No. She's got, she's got three children with Fergus. Claire and Jamie are her adopted parents, essentially, and Fergus's. And, but. They're set up. Yeah. They're, they've got, like, a nice place. Yeah. They are close to Ian. And her kids are growing up with Jemmy. Right? Like, if they're, yeah. her kids are going to lose their cousin. Yeah. No. Yeah. It's it's interesting. But uh, I also want to say that this season, and I mean, it's not like she's been bad before. And it's, and also, she hasn't had a huge role. But I feel like this season has been a real coming out party for Lauren Lyle. Oh, yeah. For like, sure. she's been... Every scene she's in, she owns that scene. Like, she has quickly become one of the strongest actors. Yeah. Like, she's going to... You, you'll see when this uh, show ends after next season. Uh <laughs> She's going to be the, a lead in something. Do you I, think? I, I think so. Yeah. I she don't know is, what sort of show, but she's strong enough to be a lead. She is really good. And they obviously, they know enough about, like, they can see it. They know well enough to put her in a more prominent role. Yeah. They know who to give the lines to. Yeah. So they say goodbye to Marceline and Fergus. Heartbreaking. And then you see... Brianna saying goodbye to some other people. Maybe it's the bugs. I don't know. <laughs> and then she walks up to Lizzie and Lizzie says, yeah. I, should, I suppose I should start packing too. And I'm not complaining. I know Boston's going to be colder, but I should also start saying goodbye to people. What did you think of this scene? Um, this is speaking about people to give the lines to. I've never been impressed with the actress that played Lizzie or the character of Lizzie or anything, but I thought she was great in this scene. She was, I thought wasn't she? Was she? Really, really good. Also interesting. This scene, not written by Diana Gabaldon. I know. I read that too. Yeah. So Diana, she loved it. She but, yeah. She was very gracious about yeah, it. She yeah. said, "I didn't write it. I thought it was a beautiful scene." Yeah. So, but but I just thought that was interesting. I did too. But it, it was a really strong scene, and I thought, yeah, the girl that played Lizzie, like just the look on her face of hurt, like but trying to, to accept it, right? Like being yeah, stiff upper lip, but just like so. Hurt. It was like, just unfathomable. And and when she yeah. lists, she says, you saved me. You brought me here. I was with you when your baby yeah. was born. I was with you when you got married. I was with you when Stephen Bonnet raped you. Like, yeah. like she's it's almost true. in shock. Like, she, I think she is. Surprised. Yeah, she's yeah. processing. Yeah. Out loud. Yeah. And then uh, Brianna says, well, I need you to stay with my parents and take care of them. But, oh, what a bummer for 
Lizzie. I mean, I guess she'll also be with Marceline Fergus. Yeah. Right? Right. She'll be fine. Yeah. They'll, they'll, she'll, I mean, I don't know what happens to her in the book. Oh, obviously something different because this isn't how it happened. Oh, oh yeah. Yeah. But, uh, yeah. But yeah, like, you know, they would, I mean, whatever, they would just keep her on or something. Yeah. It, it was a very sad scene. Uh, the Browns arrive or the, the evil Brown arrives. I mean, they're both evil, but right. the wife beater. And Jamie declines the invitation to join the army. He says, I want to stay with my family. And uh, Brown says that his brother will be very angry with his response. Yeah. And Jamie says, I'm sorry, it's my final word. Yeah. And he starts walking away. And I thought, yeah, Diana Gabaldon knows how to write Jamie Fraser. Right. Like, he is the king of men when she's writing him. I'm but sorry, that's my final word. This is also like where he's like king of ego in the sense that how could he not tell that these guys, that it would be trouble? Oh, I see. You know, see. like, you know when they come up, and they come up at the beginning with, like, a show of force, where it's, like, they the Browns, and they bring, like, 20 guys with rifles, yeah. you know, and, like, how, and, and he knows who these guys are, and how shitty they are, like, how does he know, or how does he not know that this is going to start something, you know, probably not to the extent that it looks like it did start it. <laughs> Like, wow, they fucking go right over the line. But, like, you would think that there would be some mention. You know, this is where, like, the show misses Murtaugh. <laughs> oh, to say. Because the Murtaugh would be like, that's trouble right there. Like, that's yeah, going to be that that's gonna gonna, be an issue. Yeah. yeah. And, but, yeah, so it's it's pretty obvious to me that, you know, where, where that's going. And, obviously, it went there. Yeah. But, not before Mr. Brown says... That his he brought his wife to get her wrist fixed. Mm -hmm. He's obviously a horrible man. Um, then there's you know, Marcy and Claire wrapping up her wrist, and she says she didn't want to have sex with him because she read that Doctor Rawlings, right? You know, says if you avoid certain times of the month, then you won't get pregnant, and she doesn't want to get pregnant to a person who beats people. So, right. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a nice moment when she said, you know, my mom taught me how to read, which is, it's just an acknowledgement that a lot of people at this time didn't know how to read. Right. But you know who does know how to read? Mr. Brown. Yes. And he sees Claire's, um, doctor kit that right. has Dr. Rawlings right. name on it. And he says, let's get out. You don't even get your tonic with, yeah. that's going to help you with the pain. Let's just get out of here. And you know that there's trouble coming. Trouble afoot. Which I already knew, but now double new. Yeah. The moment between Roger and Ian comes next. And I thought that this was a really, really nice scene. Roger gives him the land. Yeah. And he asks him to come to the stones with them. Right. What did you think of this scene? Uh, I liked it. Ian seemed uh, touched by the gesture of both the land and asking him to come along like yeah and he I, says i cannot accept your land and roger says then look after it for me and do with it what you will <laughs> he's right. like you don't have to we don't have to make this a big like you know big gift and acceptance right. like i'm just saying take it right and this is where and i've been thinking about this ever since they talked about the time travel and this is something that this show I guess I just think differently than the people that write this show. But it, it's one of those things where 
if I am in the past and I am traveling to the future, I'm going to set myself up like real good. Like what are you going to do, Joe? Like I'm going to take that land and I'm going to say, take this deed and put it in a safety deposit box and mail me the key. And then, you know, you mail go, me the key to where? What, what, or just like put a note with Lloyd's of London saying, deliver this key to this address on this day. You know what I mean? And then, so that when you get there, you go and there's a key and you go open your safety deposit box and now you have like 200,000 acres of land, you know, which would have been worth a hell of a lot more in 1970 than it was in, you know, 18, whatever. You know what I mean? Or, or just like something like, like you have a huge opportunity to set yourself up so that when you go back to the future, you are like smoking rich, you know, like buy, buy some land and like bequeath it to yourself, you know? And then you can be like, oh, my great granddad, Roger McKenzie left me this land. I'm the rightful owner. And now I'm wicked rich. You know what I mean? Like, like it's, that's, I just, I would do that. I would, I would do that. Or, or hell, Go old school. Go fucking pirate. Take some shit and bury it in a chest somewhere. And then go find it and dig it up. Like, you don't even have to get tricky about it. Just like, you know what I mean? Like, like there's there's ways you could do things to ensure that... Not that I'm sure they would be poor when they went back, but how many years have they been gone now? Three or four. Exactly. So all their stuff is gone, right? Like, they're going back to nothing. Like, like... No, they're going back to, they're, they're going back to something. Maybe a little bit, but not as much as they're leaving behind. Like Joe Abernathy, I believe, was looking after Brianna's estate while they were away. Doing like an Airbnb situation? I mean, I'm not sure exactly what they were doing. It's interesting that that was your take, because what I was thinking is, I thought it was strange that I would have a conversation with Claire and Jamie, my parents, and I would say, you know, when it comes to the end leave me a note and tell me like how what happened that too and put it in like a safety deposit box so that as soon as I get back I can see that you were okay or lived a happy life or didn't die in the fire or whatever but leave me a note and if you write it now and we put it in here yeah in 15 minutes after I go through the stones that's the thing even if if it takes you 25 years to write the note I'll still get it instantly (laughs) I know, I know. You, you, know, you could like, write me a note every day for the rest of your fucking life, you know. And it's and I would and I would get them all. Yeah. That's what I mean. Like if I'm going to the future, I would I would set myself up a little bit more. Yeah. Well, maybe they will. Well, they don't. Well, we don't know what's going to happen. No, we're pretty sure. Then we have Lord John Gray and Brianna say goodbye, and yeah. she said, "I have a brother," and he says, "Charm, charm, 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 charm." He's. I'll tell you one of the things that makes him so charming is he laughs with people and it seems like a legitimate laugh, right? I can't even remember what she says, but he, he laughs and it's, um, it's very charming. He's a charming man. And he says, I could, I can never tell him about you though. I wish I could. And I thought "Mm, that's a little harsh, Lord John Gray, but I guess he's also being honest. And we learned that he is leaving for the UK and that he is taking his new manservant. So Jay yeah. Frey, Jay Frey has arranged for Ulysses to be free. Because right. Lord John Gray says as soon as he arrives in the UK, he will be a free man. Right. Which is amazing. 
That's awesome. It's it's the best case scenario for Ulysses since Jocasta is a married woman. <laughs> right. And I, I don't know if this, again, how this is. I don't know either. plays out in the books, but hopefully it plays out similar to that. And obviously between Lord John Gray, Jocasta, and Jay Frey, like Ulysses is going to be set up. Like, I think so. Like he's not, like he'll be I probably quite well to do. I, I think, think so. Yeah. Yeah. And he can carry it off too. Oh, God. Are you yeah. kidding? Yeah. He's a classy, classy <laughs> man. Um. So then it's the night before Roger and Brianna are going to leave. And, oh, I found this so t- heartbreaking. They look out the window and Jamie is on the horse with Jimmy. And he's trying to get him to pet the horse's neck. And he's talking to him about... Yeah. And tell me this didn't break your heart. No, I mean, especially as a as a dad, that was that was definitely... It was touching, you know, and that's where it hit me the most, where it was kind of like, oh, that'd be hard to, to, you know, you're just forming a relationship with this kid. And it's like, oh, by the way, you will never see him again. Like really never see him again. Yeah, like forever, ever. Oh my goodness. Um, although the theory is, I mean, we don't know what's going to happen, but the theory is you know how Jemmy broke the stone? Like when Roger and Claire and Brianna touched it, it yeah. was just, it was warm. Mm-hmm. But Jemmy said it was hot and he broke it. The theory is that he is a, a stronger time traveler than any of the others. So this is a, this is a theory like since, that you've been reading since last night's show? Like, yes. Bookie theory? Okay. Yeah. I don't know if it's a bookie theory. Sorry, or not just, bookie theory. Yeah. Or maybe it's, I don't know how this is portrayed in the book, but the idea is, and obviously Diana Gabaldon wrote the, wrote the episode that Jemmy is a very strong strong time traveler. Right. So we'll get into that again later. But maybe he will see Jamie again, right? Maybe maybe it won't be so difficult for Jemmy to travel around the way it is for the rest of them. Yeah, maybe. I thought it was interesting, though. Did you find it interesting at all that there was never a question of Claire going to? Like, no, it's just... Not even not even the slightest question. No. Like, she is not leaving that... <laughs> Horrible, tumultuous time period of 1772. Like, that is where she lives. She loves Jay Frey. It's all Jay Frey all the time. It it is all Jay Frey. Like, there's no way that she will leave him. And that has to be hard, too. Like, leaving your... She's letting her daughter and her grandson leave. But if Jay Frey could travel, I feel like she would push for them all to go. I don't think Jay Frey would do well in the 1900s. It'd be like... um, What's the man? We're pulling out all the '80s movies. What was the Paul Hogan movie? Oh Not Coming to America, which is another fantastic film. But Crocodile uh, Dundee. Crocodile fucking Dundee. That's what it would be. That's what I want to see. I want to see Crocodile Dundee, where Jay Frey is in like Boston, and people are like, they're all like Chowda, and he's like, "What are you talking about?" You know, like uh, I think that would be. I think that would be pretty awesome. Well, anyways, watching Jamie with Jemmy on the horse, I was crying. I had already been crying a number of times, but Brianna turns to Roger and says, I never had grandparents. And Roger says that he never had grandparents or even parents. (laughs) So, and I thought, oh man, like what a sacrifice for those two to leave. And at that point, I'm like, oh, they're not going to go, right? Like think about... It will just be the three of them when they go back to 1980, I guess, right. at this point, right? Like, that's lonely. 
they've got, think about what they have on that ridge and the relationships that they have. And even Roger, who has not had an easy go in this time period, has finally developed a decent relationship with Jay Frey. Yep. He and Fergus get along. He and Ian have, a, I think, a very special a budding, bond. Budding He's always had a great relationship with Claire. Yeah. Like, that's a tough, that's a loss. Yeah. To leave that whole Ridge family. Again, and I mean, I know you say they have uh, an estate, you know, like, but it's like also. They're loaded. They're loaded. <laughs> like, they've got everything, They've you know, they've both got, you know, whatever, a billion acres of land. Jemmy is said to inherit River Run. Like, what's going to happen there, by the way? Like, they should probably tell Jocasta. Yeah, you know, it's interesting. Yeah. Like, that's, that's, leave, they're leaving a lot on the table. Now, yeah. I mean, they are running away from the uh, War of Independence, which is a pretty big fucking deal. Probably not a bad call. Uh, but, but still, like, you know, they're, it's not like they're leaving an atrocity at the moment. Yeah, agree. So then the last supper, the last dinner they have together, again, tears. I, I found this so sad. But also really sweet. Claire brings journey cakes. She yeah. brings peanut butter and jam sandwiches and presents them. And they all take it. And it was just such a, a beautiful scene. They had the, one of my favorite songs, Lock Loman, playing in the background. And Jay Frey eats it like you would a steak. Yeah, he was very classily, though. Like, he is the most classily. He puts, and he puts, like, a fairly big piece in his mouth, and you can see him chewing it, and he he's polite about it, yeah. but you can tell he doesn't. He says, I don't know if you're supposed to eat this stuff. You could, what did he say, he mend could, like, shoe? mend your shoes with it. It's like, also, you got to, if you're giving someone a peanut butter jam sandwich for the first time, you got to give them a glass of milk. Well, he, like, come on. He didn't have milk, but then he did stand up and raise a toast to family and everything right. else. And I just thought, oh, what a sweet scene. Like, Roger and Bran are grinning, and yeah. young Ian knows to hold it. He like, was all in on the oh, TVJ. Yeah. He, yeah. Yeah. He He'd be feeling. a great time traveler, oh, I think. He would He would be awesome. He would fit right in in modern times, I, I feel, that character. Yeah. And watching this for the first time, at this point, I thought maybe they're not going to leave. Well, and also because it's so different than the book, right? So then to see them arriving at the stones in the next scene, it really kind of caught me off guard. I thought, oh, that's it? Like, we don't even see, and again, people complained, like, really, we don't even get to see Brianna and Jamie hug goodbye? Yeah, I didn't even realize that. Like, you never get to see the goodbye, like, where they actually say goodbye to Claire and Jamie. It's weird, now that you mention it. I, I didn't bug me at the time. So then there they are. They arrive at the Stones with young Ian, as promised. Mm-hmm. And you said that you would have thought that they would change their outfits. That they would change into different outfits, which at first I kind of dismissed you because I am I was really into that scene. I was only watching it for the second time, and it's so new to me. So I basically said, shh, 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 I'm like, I need you to be quiet because this is very important, and I need to concentrate. And so you did. But I did think about it later, and I thought, why wouldn't she at least put on, like, riding breeches and a white shirt or something? Yeah. So that she would still look out of place and maybe old-fashioned, but maybe they would just think that she was, like, had been riding a horse or something. Not like they were coming from a renaissance fair. Yeah. Or something like that, you know? Yeah. Like, you don't have to totally time up, but, but seriously, like, wear something slightly more... I, just generic even it doesn't have to be time appropriate like why are you going mm-hmm. in your like full colonial outfit roger like <laughs> cut your hair 
you know, I don't... I think they think, let's just get back and we'll sort all of this out once we do. And I also was thinking, well, Claire was wearing her full garb, but then she was basically thrown into the stone right as the Battle of Culloden was starting. Like, they didn't plan that out. Yeah. Jamie and her. He just said, see you later. Later, Sassy's neck. So... Anyway, it was odd, but uh, what isn't in this show? But wow, did I ever love this scene. At first, I was really confused why Roger was carrying, like, I thought it was a lasso in his hand. Yeah. Did you know what he was going to do with that rope when he first... No. no, I didn't even realize he had it. When he was walking with it, I was thinking, what is he doing? And then how he tied it tight around the three of them. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how much good that is going to do if you're traveling through time. But, uh, I mean, it's better. I, I would probably do the same thing. And you why, would absolutely do the same right. thing. Why the hell not try? Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, and then they each take the stone. Oh, and then it's so sweet. Brianna says to Ian, love you. And Ian says, love you too, cousin. And I believe it, you yeah. know? Yeah. And Who's then. Who's going to marry her? <laughs> you. And then that image of, and I thought this was so sweet. It was Brianna's hand, and then they put Jemmy's hand in between theirs, and then Roger put his hand over both, but they made sure, I don't know if you noticed, but they made sure that all of their fingers, fingers were touching. Like, we find it stressful keeping everyone together when we just get on an airplane. Like, imagine yeah, that... Yeah, bike I mean, ride. Come on. A <laughs> bike ride is even harder. Good point. But, like, the stress of, okay, here we go. Hopefully we all stay together. Yeah. And the buzzing gets so loud. This was probably my favorite time travel um, sort of imagery. Right. The buzzing is so loud and then suddenly they're just gone. And yeah. it's Ian staring. like, what the fuck? <laughs> yeah. And he runs up to the stones and throws his hands on it. Hoping that he can get sucked yeah. in too. He doesn't. He does not. Then we see them again, which surprised me. I didn't think we were going to see them again. Did you? No, I didn't. I thought that would be it until the very end of the like finale. Oh, you thought we'd see them next episode? Yeah. Well, we see them again. The rope, as you said, turns out didn't do anything because they weren't... Did you notice where yeah, the rope was? Yeah, it was like was? untied, yeah. Yeah. Um, and Jemmy stands up and starts running, I will say, in the direction that young Ian had walked from. And I swear he waves and smiles and runs. And Roger says, what the devil? You think that they have gone back in time. I think they've gone. I think Roger's accuracy has struck yet again. I think they've gone <laughs> the wrong way. I think I think they went back. Like now, to 1500s Now I or have something? no idea. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but who does know, have any idea at this point? I mean, I guess it would kind of have to like, you know, this is still loosely following the story, obviously, just with some exceptions. But yeah, like I, I, I don't, wherever they are, they're not in present day. They're not where, it's very obvious that wherever they are, it's not where they thought they were going to be. I think that they ended up right back where they started. I think Jemmy is waving and running towards Ian, who's getting on the wagon. Because, and again, this is the theory that Jemmy is the strongest time traveler. And that, because the idea is you, and so it's, it's twofold. And also Brianna is really unsure about leaving her parents. So she's thinking about her parents and then it's going to bring her to where her parents are. And Jemmy wants to go see his grandparents. So it's taking them to where they're thinking of, which is right back to 1772. That could be because that has a ton of logic to it, which is why I think it's not correct. 
Okay. Well, and also, I think the way Roger looks, he looks over and he says, what the devil? I think it's because he sees Ian. And I think he's, yeah, I think he's, or not even, like, maybe Ian's just, like, getting on the horse and packing up. And Roger's like, what the heck just happened? But the weird thing there is, does that mean that the time travel itself is not instantaneous? Like, because they... One thing I want to go back and look at is, like, I seem to remember there were a lot of leaves on the ground. So I guess that, I mean, I guess if they travel through time, the theory is that it's the same month no matter where they go, mm-hmm. what time. But it did, the area didn't look different. No, it looked exactly the same. Right. Which, if they traveled back in time, it also would. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know. And I guess I just feel like if they didn't, if they came right back to where they were, which there is a strong argument for that because Roger helps Jamie. What were you going to say? What? This just popped into my head. What if Jemmy? No, no, that doesn't make sense. What were you going to say? Nobody, nobody came through the stones, right? Because they all came through the stones in Scotland, didn't they? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because I'm like, well, what if he is seeing Roger? When you know, when one of them oh. comes through, this, you know, like what if he's yeah, he's like running, when, yeah, because he because he sees his dad, you know, like if there's some when, weird, when Roger like, went to follow Brianna through the stones, yeah, like there's some sort of weird like time travel paradox, but obviously, I mean, I would the, love that. I don't think that's the story. Way too clever. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's also different stones. So no. Um, yeah. But it's wherever they are. I really want to know. I really want to know. And I, I don't think we're going to know next episode. Well, if it's your theory, we're going to know next episode. Yeah. And they'll just say it didn't work. And then Roger will help save Claire because... Right. We don't I, even... We haven't even got to Yeah, we haven't even gotten to the abduction. But then... And then maybe they'll just play it out like the book where Brianna has another baby and they have to go back. And right. then because she knows they have to go back, they will be able to travel. Because they're feeling that the theory is that it was Brianna that messed it up and brought them back to 1772 because she's not ready to leave her parents. Right. Maybe. And they did emphasize that a number of times. Like Roger said, she's scared if she's with her parents, she won't go back. And you have to be picturing that person. Yeah, I don't know. I mean... Is, is the outlander time travel theory? But then the question is, how did Claire... I guess she was just drawn to Jamie. Like, Claire accidentally fell back in time. Yeah, and it's interesting because um, we're, I mean, we still have some of the show to recap, so we're really getting off track here. Mm-hmm. But the there is a prevailing theory out there that there's only going to be one more season of Outlander. Yeah. And the reason that they're doing all this accelerated storyline mm-hmm. is so they can accelerate the storyline. So, yeah. so that when they get to the end of next season... It can all be at least somewhat wrapped up. And that is the one thing that sticks in my craw about this being like a failed time travel attempt. Because I I know that there is more time travel. You've spoiled that for me already. (laughs) So it's like, I feel like they don't have time to waste on like fucked up time travel. Yeah, like, oh man, that didn't work. Let's try through, you know, and then it's like, what are they going to just fast forward to like next year when Brianna's pregnant and has a, you know, like they're only, theoretically after this episode, they're only going to have like 10 left. Well, they'll have 12. Or whatever. They'll have 12 for season six. And still not enough to have like a bunch of time travel chicanery. Like, I feel like the time travel 
in this show at this point, if if what we are hearing is true, and I wouldn't be shocked if it wasn't, uh, but uh, they don't have time to like do fun failed time travel. Because then when they do, if they do it again, then they're going to have to have this whole fucking goodbye bullshit again. And uh, that's bullshit, but you know what I mean? Like they're going to have to, they're going to have to do That's a good it. point. It's, like it was a lot. This whole episode was sad goodbyes. I cried with, yeah. with Jamie. I cried with Lord Drunk Grey. I cried with Lizzie. I cried like, yeah. So it's really Why like, do it twice? Yeah. So it, it, And why would Diana Gabaldon have to write? Like that's a, any writer could write. And then they tried to time travel and it didn't work. Like yeah. why would she... Yeah, so it, that's again why I feel like this that they that they went somewhere. I don't know where. Who knows? But we'll we'll find out next week probably, or maybe. Yeah. We'll so then we have Claire and Marcelie, and they are helping a patient, and um, the Brown is it is it the Browns or is it just the Browns gang? I can't even it's, remember. It's, it's all it, a blur. It's not, it's not the Browns. Neither the Browns themselves. But it's one of their little squads, basically. They come to get. They come to get Claire. And it's it, got that guy that you that said pay long, attention yes. to. Yeah. And uh, they put a bag over her head and they knock out Marceline. Yeah, they punch her right in the right in the face and kill the other guy. Who was that guy? Oh, Maybe that, that was, was the... Brown. Was it Brown that killed him? No, it was the lieutenant guy. Yeah, that was the. Um... That was the patient. I was wondering who that guy was. So it was Marsley and Claire and the patient. Yeah, and he just stabs the patient. Yeah, he just killed the just patient. And I feel like they would have let Marsley alone, but she Maybe. grabbed she, the... She, she pulled a hot Brianna and just started running straight at him. Yeah. Yeah. That was a disturbing scene because she thumps to the floor. Yeah. And then we have Germaine just standing there. It was a creepy yeah, scene. It's creepy almost scene. dusk and Fergus and Jamie... And who else? There's a couple other people, but it's it was not the Hunter Young Kid, Ian. maybe. Oh yeah, the Kira yeah. Knightley guy. Yeah, yeah. John John Quincy could have been in there. He could have. Yeah. Anyway. And uh, we, I mean, Marsley's breathing, so she's not dead. And yeah, that is creepy though when the kids like the Batman took Grandma. Oh, I know. And Jamie's like, what? <laughs> yeah, and then he just starts running. Yeah. And then we see him running up the hill in the dark with the torch, and I'm like. Are you running after them? <laughs> With the torch. I was like, are you just, you just grab a torch and you're just like hoofing it to wherever. <laughs> but no, he was not. could find them. He's fast. He's the king of fast. So anyway, so this is, I did read this. This is a disturbing part in book six. So mm-hmm. we'll see how it's portrayed uh, in the next episode. But whew, what a doozy of an episode. Right. Well, he lights the cross. He lights the cross. Yeah. What would you give this out of a hundred? Oh, I mean... It was okay. I would give this a 60, okay. I guess. There were some strong scenes in this episode. Mm-hmm. It was... There was nothing in it that I thought necessarily was bad or out of place. The only mistake I feel like they made was with Ulysses and his height. Uh, <laughs> I really think that was a big mistake, for mm-hmm. real. Okay. Like, this is a guy... Who was big enough and strong enough and like a hulking monster enough that he picked another mm-hmm. man literally up off the ground mm-hmm. and like broke his fucking neck with mm-hmm. his bare hands. Yeah. yeah. Like he should be a monster. Yeah. Okay. But other than that, you, you'd give it a 60? Yeah, I would say a 60. Okay. I would give this a 100. Oh, 
I'm actually give it, surprised it's not more. No, it's a 100. It's a I hard would, hundy. Yeah, a loin it was hundy. a really good episode. I will definitely watch it again. I will skip the cold open with the burning, suffocating girl, and I will watch the rest of the episode over and over. I just loved it. In fact, I might watch it again after we finish this podcast. Yeah. I, just, I feel like I'm just going to call that they're going to reveal that it was the Browns that did that in like the first scene of the next episode. Okay. Yeah. yeah. What was your favorite scene? Oh, uh, I would say it was the scene with young Ian where he comes in and he's like, what the fuck's going on, guys? Yeah. Like, I like that because I love that actor. Mm-hmm. Um, John Bell. We John couldn't Bell. think of his name before. John Bell. John Bell just came to me. Uh, I like John Bell a lot. Yeah. I like uh, I like the scene. I like the reaction. I just thought it played really well. John Bell. Okay. My favorite scene was when they Roger and Brianna and Jemmy touched the stones together. That was yeah. Well, I mean that's a big thing. The like time they travel. They had their hands, and he had the rope around them, and. Oh, I haven't been that excited by an Outlander episode in a long time because I was like, what the what? What is happening? Well, you love time travel. I love time travel and they did it, I think. I will be obviously devastated if it's young Ian that they're looking at, but... Yeah, but it makes... There is logic to your theory, for sure. I know, and I might go back and just watch and just see if it looks exactly the same. Yeah. Yeah, you should. What was your least favorite scene? You know what? It's the Ulysses thing again. Okay. Just because... It's stuff like that that it just pulls me out of the scene. Okay. And that was such a touching scene. Mm -hmm. And it was like so, it was a character that I love and stuff like that. But then it just distracts me. And then I can't think. Because you're like, wait a second, is that that an actor short? Five nine? Yeah. Yeah, Like it's like, (laughs) yeah. So it just, it it, it just, that kind of like sloppy shit pulls Mm -hmm. me out of a scene. Okay. Yeah. So so that's why it's my least favorite. Because you did rewind and say, he's shorter than Katrina Balf, who, by the way, is a tall woman. For sure. Yeah. Absolutely. But Ulysses should be taller than her. I yes. understand. My least favorite scene was obviously the burn victim. Bernie Burns, that was yeah. horrific. MVP. Uh, MVP. That's a tough one. Um, I'm going to give MVP to... Man, you do. I got to think for a second. Okay, Who's Sam Hewen, obviously, for a number of reasons. His reaction when he saw William's portrait, um, eating the peanut butter and jam sandwich, talking proudly about William being an earl after all. He was, I mean, even the window scene, like, w- good acting, Sam Hewen. Yeah, no, he was good in this episode. My MVP um, is going to be, I'm, I'm giving, it's like a co-award. Oh, okay. Because I'm going to give it to the supporting cast. Oh. Because this was all about, like, there was a setup for what happened with Claire and then Roger and Brianna's goodbyes. And I feel like, even though I don't think Richard Rankin and Sophie Skelton are all that shit hot, uh, strong. Richard Rankin is very shit hot uh, and and strong. I love his strong shit hot, for sure. But (laughs) He's also a very strong actor. Right. Like, I just, I feel like... The reactions that they got from Ian and Lizzie and Marsley oh, were know. all fantastic. Like, yeah. they, like they, those those three characters were what gave those scenes the weight. It wasn't yeah. Roger and Brianna. It was the reactions of those those three characters, and then also Mr. Brown. Oh, I know. Because he was he's fucking evil incarnate, and mm-hmm. you know it, and Claire can smell it. 
Uh, Jay Frey, for some reason, can't. But Claire it's like, can smell it, and she's so defiant around him. Oh, well, that's just Claire. That's classic Claire. Um, and uh, but yeah, so those it, it was that. Oh, and Ulysses. Sorry, he was mm-hmm. great too. Mm-hmm. Uh, height notwithstanding uh, but uh so <laughs> but oh but boom yeah i didn't even realize what i've done there uh yeah so uh yeah so those characters those all the supporting characters that they were able to play off and john gray i guess you can call him supporting too sure would they, they they were fantastic like it was such a a swath of fantastic supporting roles yep that really made this episode strong it was a strong episode i'm sad i'm so sad that we only have one left I don't know. I don't know if we can match the strength of of Journey Cake. No, it's I not. I even love the title. Journey it, Cake. It is a fun title. Yeah. It's. I mean, the next episode is going to be a rescue it's episode, be... and I know that some bad shit happens. Yeah. I kind of hope they just skip over that. I really do too. Um, I don't think they will. I, maybe they won't, but I think they they have a lot to do in this episode. They do. We'll see. So, well, especially if they're going to finish book six in this episode. I also feel like they might not go as far as you tell me they go in the oh, books. I, I feel don't. like they're not going to go that far. I really hope they don't. But, it's so uh, disturbing. Yeah, we'll see. Anyway. We'll see. But that's it for this one. Okay, so we will talk again next week. Right. And uh, until we talk next time, may the fourth be with you. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love Star Wars. And it's May the fourth. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. Night-night. Bye.